to the Everyday Life Bible Study Podcast. I am Paul Church, your host, as we take a look at the life of Jesus as presented in the Gospels, more or less in a chronological manner here. Um, It's been a great time, so I hope that you are enjoying these episodes. It's been a few weeks since my last episode, long story there, Um, but I have recently freed up a little bit of time. I had a business that... um, I just closed down, and so uh, it was a good closing, glad to close it, happy to, and so hopefully that allows me to structure my week in such a way that I can put these out a little more regularly. So anyways, looking forward to doing more and more of that, but uh, welcome back, and it's good to be back with you today. Whatever you're doing, however you are enjoying this podcast, I typically listen to podcasts while I'm on a run. Uh, It's my favorite time, and so... um, uh, favorite time of the morning to just uh, really focus in, disassociate from what's from what the the beating that I'm giving my body at the time. <laughs> but um, some listen while they're in the car or on a walk or at work or whatever it is. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, I want to invite you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts. It used to be iTunes. You go to iTunes and stuff, but but Apple Podcasts and give us a five star review. Leave some great comments there if you don't mind. That really does help us in the rankings and the ratings. And the the significance of that is not because we're trying to make a name for ourselves, but the significance is it gets this message uh, in front of more people. And so, man, we'd love that. So if if you're glad that it's in front of you, man, do us a favor and and leave some reviews, leave a good review there, and it'll get in front of others. And so um, anyways, let's get on with today's um, message. Today, we're going to be in John 7 and 8. It describes 7 primarily. Uh, It describes a time when Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles might not sound so exciting, but it actually, it was a pretty amazing experience in Jerusalem at the time. The Hebrew the Hebrew people held many, many festivals. The Festival of Tabernacles commemorated the occasion of their freedom from captivity in Egypt and their subsequent wilderness wanderings for about 40 years before entering the Promised Land. Uh, In that time, when they were wandering around uh, the desert, they lived in temporary shelters, tabernacles, or tents. Uh, personally, um, looking at it in 2020 this year, I would love that because I love to go camping. I love tent camping. My wife, she's more the person that would love to go camper camping or better yet, let's just get a, let's just Airbnb a cabin up in the mountains somewhere. But no, I love to get in a tent and build a fire and the woods is my bathroom and all of that. So um, anyways, I love to rough it. And so it sounds like a lot of fun because they would do it just for a short amount of time here. It was an eight day feast. They lived in these hastily constructed tents that they called tabernacles. I think I could do that and really enjoy it. Um, But that's what they did once a year uh, uh, if you were Jewish. And so let's look at John chapter 7, the first nine verses. Let's just pick up there and then we'll go on, okay? So let me get to that. John chapter 7, starting in verse 1, says, After this, Jesus went around Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea, that's more south, because the Jewish leaders were there um, and were looking for a way to kill him. 
But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. Now Jesus had more disciples than just the twelve. He had people that followed him. And there were people living in Judea, Jerusalem, that knew of him and that, um, that would consider themselves a follower of Jesus. So um, that was the disciples there. So that your uh, so where let's pick up. So that your disciples there may see the works that you do. No one who who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, "My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world can't hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil." You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. So the brothers were suggesting that Jesus go uh, as the Messiah, come in like people were actually looking for him to arrive, the Messiah to arrive. They were looking for a uh, social, political uh, conquering ruler that would that would throw off Roman control and that would bring the kingdom of Israel back and that would take an imposing figure, somebody that would march in on the scene, and uh, that's that wasn't Jesus' game. That wasn't what he was supposed to what he was looking to do. And they said anyone who wants to become a public figure, well, he wasn't really looking to become a public figure. You know, he was has he had a higher purpose here. But his time to reveal himself to the world had not yet come. It was also not yet time for his death. If he came with his brothers, they were likely, um, like they were insisting upon, uh, he would likely have been killed, or certainly it would have been attempted here. Perhaps even his brothers were getting tired of him and thought he was crazy. They didn't believe in him, and maybe they thought the world would be a better place without him. I don't know, just speculation. But either way, it wasn't a part of the plan, certain death. So he told them, look, I'm just not going. But later he did. The very next verse, verse 10, it says, However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now, while there's a lot to talk about Jesus' visit to Jerusalem at this time, I want to focus on one statement that he made. I really think the importance of this statement is not always understood. We kind of get it on a surface level, but we're going to really dig into it today and see what does this actually mean? What was the context and and what was he proclaiming here? And I encourage you to read it more and again later on your own. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 7 again. Let's look at verse 37 and 38 of John chapter 7. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, uh, we'll get into it a little bit, but man, the festival, Feast of Tabernacles was an exciting, exuberant festival. People came and left on a high, uh, filled with joy from everything that happened and was proclaimed and all the symbolism of the Feast of Tabernacles. And on verse 37, the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, so he came in secret, right? I know I keep interrupting myself in the reading of the, of, the, of the verses here, but he came in secret. He didn't want anybody to see him there because his time had not yet come. He's trying to keep, keep a low profile. First, plan number one, plan A, don't go at all. Okay, let's scrap that. Plan B, let's go, but let's let's keep it, you know, DL. Let's keep it um, under wraps here. Go in secret and keep a low profile. Now, 
uh, he's just kind of letting that all go. The last and greatest day of the of the festival, he's out there. He stands on this big thing. He stood up and proclaimed to everybody, priests, all the people who's trying to kill him, they could see him, his brothers. And he says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So let me give you, so I think we understand that on a, on a, on a, on a basic service level. Uh, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. I'll f- fulfill you. I'll satisfy you. Um, and, the, and we know the water is, is life and all of that. You know, river, rivers of living water will flow from within them. It's eternal life type of uh, illusion there. But it's just a surface understanding there. The context of this is that every morning of the feasts, uh, of the feast here, the, uh, the priests went to the stream that ran south of the Temple Mount, and they would draw fresh water to be poured on the altar after the daily morning sacrifice. And the arrival of the water to the temple uh, was quite a show, was, was quite an event. And it was com- accompanied by shouts of joy, accompanied by trumpet blasts, there were two holes in the altar where the liquid was poured. And you can check me out on this. You can do your own research to, to see if this is real or not. But there were two holes in the altar where the liquid was poured. One was for the wine that went with the sacrifice, and the other was for the water. Um, and the nights, of the, spe- the nights of the feast were spent celebrating a special offering to God, and they would erect these giant Candelabras. When I say giant candelabras, I'm not just saying large menorahs. I'm saying these are candelabras that were about 75 feet high. And it would light up Jerusalem in the middle of the night as if it were midday. I mean, it was partying. It was like Mardi Gras with without the beads and everything it takes to get the beads, I'm sure. But um, but uh, I mean, it was it was quite the party. Um, and it was just lighted up like midday. And incidentally, while this was still fresh in their minds in John chapter eight, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But they would dance all night and they would play music all night. And in the morning, the water ceremony would commence. And to the people, the drawing of the water represented drawing in the presence of God. And the rabbi would explain that the water celebration uh, signifies a joy because of connection with God, that it was, it was that symbolic connection that they had with God of this pouring out with water. And so they would, uh, they would talk about it being a joyful thing. And man, they celebrated it very joyfully. So deep and true, this connection with God, that like water, it has no describable taste, is how they would describe it. And like water, that it sustains all life. In the Talmud, it says, He who has not seen the water-drawing celebration has never seen joy in his life. And it's interesting that, that not, after, not long after this, Jesus says, I've come to give life in all its abundance and all its fullness. But upon seeing the celebration, Jesus, the fulfillment of all of it, right? He stands up and shouts to the people. Once again, let me, lead, let me read that. Uh, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as, the script, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. They had the, they had the imagery of this water drawing celebration, this connection with God fresh in their minds. And Jesus says, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's me. I'm the connection with God. I am the one. And rivers of living water 
water will flow from within you if you believe in me. And verse 39 goes on to say, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, these people, they equated, like I said, the drawing of the water uh, to the presence of God. Um, Even in their religion, even though their religion was all about external obedience to the law, the presence of God, uh, because of that, the presence of God was not necessary as long as you did what you were supposed to, right? Because it was all about external rules and rituals and ceremony and holiness. But this ceremony looked forward to when the Holy Spirit would, as the Bible describes it, be poured out on believers through Jesus, that that Jesus would, would send the Holy Spirit. He's the baptizer. Let's bring it down to you and me now, okay? The presence of God with us. Bible says that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, God with us. His presence is here. But so many of us, I'm afraid, really don't know what that means. We sing about it on Sundays. We talk about it, but we really don't know what it means. Um, there's a guy by the name of, well, not anymore. He's, he's went on to his reward, but A.W. Tozer, um, was a pastor. Uh, he was, I believe a Christian and missionary Alliance pastor, actually, um, author, spiritual mentor. Um, he wrote a book back in 1948 called the pursuit of God. If you've not read this book, if you've not heard of this book, go now to your local Christian bookstore probably your local library, um, Amazon, whatever it is, and purchase, borrow, whatever, The Pursuit of God. It is an amazing book. You need to read it. I highly recommend it for everyone. But he says this in The Pursuit of God. He says, the world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God and the church is famishing for want of his presence. Man, doesn't that still describe us back in 1948 and today? He describes the church this way. He goes on, he says this. He says, that type of Christianity which happens now to be the vogue knows his presence only in theory. Man, if that's not us, we sing about it, but anyways, I digress. Let's, let's continue with the, with the quote. We, we, we know the, the presence only in theory. It fails to stress the Christian's privilege of present realization. According to its teachings, we are in the presence of God positionally, and nothing is said about the need to experience that presence actually. Man, doesn't that describe us today? We want that, that presence with God actually, that connection with God so deep and so true that like water, it has no describable taste, and like water, it sustains all life, like the rabbis would say. Jesus basically said the same thing to the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. We talked about this many, many episodes ago. He says, if you knew who you were talking to, to this woman at the well, he said, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. And she said, I want this water. Give me this water. And like her, the world today is thirsty for God. You know, they, they may not realize it or, or even agree with it, but the heart of mankind desperately wants recognition, uh, reconciliation with God. Like I said, even if we don't recognize that's what it is, the heart of man wants to, mankind wants to be joined with God. All right, I don't know what it is about Tozer today, but uh, one more Tozer quote, okay? 
it says this. He said in, in I believe, this, yes, the same work, Pursuit of God. He said, being made in his image, we have within us the capacity to know him. In our sins, we only lack the power. The moment the Spirit has quickened us to life and regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. That's why at the Feast of Tabernacles, this pouring of the water that, that represented the presence of God with us, you know, uh, that, 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 and, and that why it, that's why it was such a joyful celebration. And that when the Holy Spirit quickens us to life, when at that moment of salvation, of regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. Like that joyous celebration of the water ceremony. Look, they didn't have it back then, but they were looking forward to what you and I have access to. Do you really understand what God is offering you through Jesus? Yes, forgiveness of sins and rightness with God positionally, but so much more than that. The very, we're talking about the very presence of God in your life. So deep, so close, so intimate. What they were longing for in ceremony and looking forward to in ceremony is exactly what Jesus was offering them on a personal level. Come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me. I'll give you something to drink. Matter of fact, rivers of living water will flow out from, from within inside of you. And you know that offer still stands today. God wants more than your mental assent, than your mental belief, more than your obedience to the rules, more than keeping your hands clean and living a good Christian life, more than coming to church every Sunday. Of course, now uh, is, is we're in the middle of, well, Hopefully, we're way past the middle of the coronavirus pandemic quarantine stuff. And our church is just, uh, we're open. We're able to have 100 people in capacity in our sanctuary at one time, 100 guests. Um, but we, and so we have three services, but still, that's way, 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 way less than half of the people who call our church home. And so, uh, so we'll take online. Uh, attendance uh, as well here. So not just more than just coming to church every Sunday or more than just tuning in online sometime during the week if you happen to miss it on Sunday. Look, he desires to be with you. And the question is, are you thirsty? The, the presence of God is not something to know about. It's not something to talk about. It's not just a Christian phrase. It's the reality of God manifest in our spirits and just, just you and God, uh, you know, and know, and you know, he's there. I have a little confession to make. I don't, I don't listen much to Christian radio. Um, I hate to say it. I know I'm supposed to listen to Christian radio because that's stuff Christians, that's, that's things Christians like, right? Um, but, um, you know, I guess, I guess it's a lot of radio stations, most radio stations, but Christian radio to me seems to do it the most where they'll just latch onto a song and they'll play it and play it and play it and play it until you just like, oh, this one again, you know? And so, and again, they're not immune to the effects of, of needing the ratings and, you know, and, and playing the songs that the pockets want and stuff like that. That's not a dig to Christian radio. It's just, it is hearing it over and over and over again, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And it's all the same genre. 
And so, of course, I guess every radio station is because I have, I usually, instead of this, uh, I'll, I'll go to country stations or 80s classic, classic rock stations. And so I'll go to one of those two. Typically, you know, unless I play my own Christian music, you know, from my phone in the car through Spotify or Prime Music or something like that. But um, in, in 2000, um, there was one song in particular in the year 2000 uh, that was played seemingly over and over and over again. It's like Christians loved this song, and so they played it over and over again. I heard it so many times, and it was by Chris Rice, and he released a song called Smell the Color Nine. Yeah, you heard that right. Smell the Color Nine. Some of you actually may remember it, you know, and it's going to be stuck in your head the rest of the day. But it talks about, this song talks about never feeling the presence, and he just refers to it as the presence. I've never felt the presence, you know. And, he said, and, and the whole premise of the song and, and the end of the chorus says, sometimes finding you is just like trying to smell the color nine, which is basically impossible, right? First, nine is not a color, and you can smell none of those, okay? Unless it's like a scratch and sniff, I guess. But anyways, but um, smelling the color nine, it's impossible. Basically, he says, sometimes finding you is just completely impossible, it was meant to encourage Christians to keep faith alive, even if they never experience God, that it's okay, that it's normal and not to worry about it. And that song always bothered me because I believe really to God, that's not normal. That's not okay. And if we're not experiencing his presence, then man, I'm worried about it. Not because I'm worried about my salvation, but because, because where is this relationship that he promised in his word, right? Right. And so that song bothered me because I think it's helped to shove down a lie in our throats that we don't need anything beyond what we can see, touch, and feel as we live for God. Now, maybe that's not exactly what he meant. I'm sure if Chris Rice was on this podcast today, he might have a good explanation of of why. So again, I'm not condemning him for that, but that always rubbed me the wrong way from the perspective that that I took it. Because it's like, okay, I can be a Christian and never experience the presence of God. And sadly, so many today are in that situation. Maybe some of you here that are, some of you now who are listening to this, you say, man, that's me. I don't know that I've ever felt the presence of God or just I knew that God was with me or that I'm in prayer and I, I know God's speaking to me. You know, not this audible voice, but man, something in my spirit, God is leading and God is, God is showing me things and various things like that, you know, and we just, that's just totally foreign to so many believers. That's why so many, I think, just stand during worship services, you know, I mean, the song that might, that the worship team is playing might be talking about the reality of God's presence and how awesome it is, you know, and we sing it, maybe, but it doesn't really mean anything to us. That's not what a relationship with God God was ever supposed to be like. Christians today, I think, sometimes I feel like we've been conditioned or some have been conditioned to believe that we get nothing more uh, than salvation from our sins and a spot in heaven. That in the meantime, we're just going to live our lives and have fun and, you know, try not to get in too much trouble, you know? We talk about a relationship but in our daily life, we kind of live like we don't believe it. But are you thirsty? He invites you to come and drink. Well, I hope today that in the short time that we've had together that I have inspired you to desire and want 
a relationship with God, that closeness with God that he wants to have with you so much. The Jesus at the Feast of Tabernacles really represents, and what he said there at the Feast of Tabernacles really represents exactly, you can have not just not just witness the presence of God, but you can have him in you, and he's with you, rivers of living water flowing from inside you. Thanks for listening today. My constant prayer is that the Bible would come alive in your everyday life. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. God bless. God bless.